Hello and welcome to the inner apocalypse. Apocalypse in ancient Greek means a disclosure or revelation of great knowledge. In a churning world, two sisters with extremely different opinions and very similar values unite to discuss wildness, fear, and transformation, finding love as a grounding force in a tumultuous time. Humanity stands at a great precipice of awakening, and we believe the journey is inward to become the change. We talk about astrology, nature, and this wild ride on earth, bringing the both and to life. We unite where the sun and the moon collide. Welcome. All right. Welcome to who knows what episode Welcome to episode moon. Episode of the moon. Where we feel foggy and hazy and. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome everyone to our whatever episode this is, but we are talking about the moon today and it is the day of the moon. Monday is the day to get moony. And I'm just going to crack the joke of of everyone calls cancers really moody and that's because cancer is ruled by the moon and it's actually that they're moony the moon changes signs every two to two and a half days it is constantly in a flux of of changing it is growing and then it is waning given (laughs) and you might have to bear with me a little bit here because i'm just off of having uh covid and I'm feeling a little bit um, depleted in the sense of my, my mind. And that feels like a perfect time to talk about the moon because our moon really digs into our inner yin, into our feminine, into the feeling and an emotion. When I contemplate and consider when I found out my moon sign, because the moon can be much more personal to you in your astrological natal chart. The sun is, you know, 29-ish day season uh, that you've been born in, but the moon changes every two to two and a half days. And so it is much more personal to you. And it's also that inner, our inner climate, our inner emotions, potentially speaking to, you know, our childhood, the first seven years, what we need, what we uh, emotionally and physically need to soothe and so when I found out that I had a Leo moon I had a lot of resistance I had a lot of oh my goodness no that's not me and a huge part of that is because in astrology there's a lot of things that are taken on real surface value so some stuff within astrology might not resonate with you if we're just seeing it in a really topical way right if we're just seeing it as this one word one characteristic, one personality trait. And when I contemplate all of my, all of my moon, I definitely, even the shadow, darker pieces, I really love and honor. And that's a lot about the moon, right? That's a lot about uh, digging into the, the deeper parts of ourselves. (laughs) She sticks her tongue out at me. Yeah, I concur. The moon is uh, something that has taken me a long time to really feel into. And that's the point, right? The moon is our subconscious. It's what 
happens in the early years, which can be really interesting as a parent too, and parenting little ones and seeing them in their moon sign, right? Where their, their subconscious is kind of right front and center. And as they age, things start to get packed away. And so we see that, you know, us in our thirties or forties or however old we are, like there was a period of time in our life when we were very fresh to the world. And that's when we were most innately in our moon sign. Uh, It's our emotions, our habits, our feelings, how we were nurtured and often is indicative of our nurturer, like our primary nurturer. Sometimes we say the one who kissed our boo-boos growing up. And so it can help us to understand more about that primary caregiver, as well as helping us to understand more about ourselves then and what our innermost like love language is. We're also recording this on Valentine's Day. So this is a good time to talk about that love language. And so by finding out your moon sign, you can often get a real good, solid look at the inner you, at the self that is deeply intimate, deeply internal, that you might not show to anybody except for one or two people in your life, your most deep, intimate lover, your most deep, you know, intimate partnerships. They might see you in your moon or you go to your mom and say like, mom, this is what they say my moon sign is. And that might be the only person that goes, yep, nailed you right? As opposed to everyone else in the world who sees you more in your sun, acquaintances who see you in your rising uh, sign way more than they would your moon. And we see too, as someone who has a moon sign that is also their sun sign or also their rising sign, they, you know, then they get to take on different expressions of that sign internally. So they won't necessarily means that they're more outward with their emotion, it could be that they take on a different expression when they're in that really safe space. So we think of the moon being ruled by cancer. It's, you know, representative by the crab, that soft bodied little vulnerable crab that has this hard shell. And it's actually not always like even that hard. It, I just was picking up my son's snail, snail shells, trying to clean his desk. And I realized like the snail, it's so vulnerable. That little shell that's around is actually very easily cracked and very easily, you know, impressioned by fingers, by thumbprints and stuff. And so the moon can often be how we throw up that shell in front of people. And that's why cancers are sometimes called crabby, right? Is that they throw up that safety net. They, you know, want to protect that most vulnerable, intimate side of them. But what I love to see and what I would encourage everyone to do is look at what the highest expression of your moon sign is. Look at the traits, get like a good astrology book or a great teacher that is focused on love and ask them, what's the highest expression of this sign? And know that that is, that is the vulnerable you. That is the you that's inside, that everything that is not love is protecting. Is that inner, you know, it reminds me of like melting, melted butter on toast or like the, the nectar, the honey that comes from what they say, like the inside of the pineal or pituitary gland. It's that innermost you and it's, and it's love. It's ultimately love. And so knowing, knowing our moon sign can do so much to help us to understand the love that we're made up of and the way that we uh, shine, the way we illuminate and the way that we, you know, as other people come into contact with us, the way that we can illuminate for them, their deepest subconscious or, or um, issues as well. Like that's the other piece of this. The moon is a reflector of light. It doesn't actually shine on its own. It's a luminary, but it reflects the sun's light. 
And so getting to know your moon sign can also really, really help to understand what and how you might come across to other people, right? That's like the love language part. Like, how do you come across? How do you shine other people's lights back to them? Um, and we all have different lenses. This is where astrology is so powerful. We all have different lenses, which we're going to shine somebody's light back to them. We all will have a different like way of shining it. So say I have, uh, you know, blue lenses on my sunglasses and Ange has pink ones, like where, you know, we're both coming from love, but we have different ways of illuminating people's worthiness or enoughness back to them. And astrology gives us then this chance to go, yeah, it's not good or bad, right? You're not right. You're not wrong. It's, it just is. And we all have these different shades to give each other. So it can be really beautiful to sit in a room and talk about the moon and talk about how we feel about our innermost desires and to see that all reflected through, through our sign. And I was just thinking about, we probably don't have enough time to go through each individual sign, but when we break it down into the elements, that gives us a really good basis to start with so that you can understand and take a look at your element that the moon is in and reflect or take a look at the people that you love and what element their sign is in, because that will allow you to uh, see if they're compatible or not compatible. And there is really different needs for each of these moon signs. We'll go through the fire, earth, air and water as an element. So let us start off first with the fire moons, which is Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Fire moons, when we think about fire, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't think about burning. It doesn't worry what it looks like while it's burning. It just burns. And so there's an intuition to these moons that is very innate. It is very high energy and needs a lot of excitement maybe even put into the fire moons that there needs to be a little bit of drama within that emotional body. And security is really found through being able to be independent. The fire is really about self, about the way we come to the world and express that self, the way in which we can also find play and fun. I, I often think with fire, it's like this, uh, this need to to express the self, but also to have a lot of fun while doing it. Okay. So let's move into the earth moons. So the earth, three earth signs are Taurus moons, Virgo moons, and Capricorn moons. So I have a Capricorn moon. So I am, I, I too also like found that out and was like, what, 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 chicka, what, like really took me for a bit of a, a ride to to come to know myself so much deeper. And it has, that's been the gift is to like, really, you know, find out more about myself and the way that I truly come at issues in the world. And so the earth moons are, are actually more, um, about practicality and about safety. They are really looking at the world in a tangible basis. So with the senses, right. They're looking for that physical affection or touch potentially, uh, that might shift a little bit, obviously based on like sun signs and wherever all your other planets are, but 
you know, those earthy moons are like, how can I be secure? I want security as my root. I feel like the root chakra for earth, earth moons is, is heavy. There's like a heaviness there, a denseness there, where it's just like at the very core of my being, I'm actually quite practical. I'm actually able to, um, sometimes like extract myself and go like, I don't understand because things are too emotional or, you know, not, and it doesn't mean that I'm not emotional. I mean, like good gravy, <laughs> good gravy. I'm emotional, but it does mean that I, I often find myself getting kind of confused by things that happen. And I think that's such an earth moon thing is I'm just like, but how can you not linearly see this? Right. And so uh, sometimes with earth moons, it's just really, really helpful to get yourself out of routine and out of, you know, that pra pragmatic thinking. So for me, I have to find ways to access my emotions. Like really music is such a huge one for me and will be for many of the earth moons. It's like listening to that song that can get me angry because I can't always access it. It's, it's tough for me. And as we know, like feeling is healing. We want to be able to go into our feelings. So finding the songs that can activate some of like the sacred rage inside is important for an earth moon. Finding a way to um, drop into the heart is important because, you know, fire moons maybe have that gift a little bit more of like quick intuition about like, this is the right thing for the heart or water moons might be able to feel their way into a decision. Earth moons are like, but this just isn't the right decision. And so finding what you love that can drop you into your heart and you know, we are kind of taught to make ideas with our head and not our heart. For me, I'm like, no, when it comes to love, you know, we really do. We need to drop into that place of authenticity, which is heart led. It is led by this, this heart space that doesn't have the linear thoughts of the analytical mind. So earth moons are a little bit known for being analytical, right? So if you can find a way to just fully move into your heart again, like a nostalgic song or a nostalgic movie is like, I'm all over that you know, give me a, a rom-com like any day. And it just, it just gives me that access to be able to drop into the heart and drop into the space of accessing tears. And for me as an earth moon, tears don't last long. Like I literally, I, and it confuses people at times because I'll like cry for two minutes and I'll be over it. And they're like, why you seem so detached? Like, did it even matter to you? And it's like, well, with earth moons, often it's, you're able to like access that and then move along. So again, feeling is healing earth moons, you know, get into your senses, drop into your heart. And, and that just helps to assist with the movement of those emotions at the core. And then I guess I'll talk to the air moons as well. The other thing too, to remember is that earth is a, a yin sign, right? It's like a yin energy. So it's um, receptive. It is receptive to things. So it's like, there's a lot coming in, but maybe not a lot going out. Whereas air, which I'll move into the air moons are more uh, about yang energy. So it's a lot going out. Same with fire. It's more yang. It's more outward focused. Okay. And now we'll move into the air moons. So the air moons are Gemini moon, Libra moon, and Aquarius moon. Okay. So these are the three air signs. Uh, and if you have an air moon, you're likely very, very focused on communication and mental stimulation and connection. That's your core, right? Where earth moons are more about practicality or maybe about like sensing things, like even like gut feel feelings or uh, fire moons are more about like movement and excitability or passion and creativity. Air moons are about 
connecting all about connecting. It's like, who am I talking to? Where am I talking to them? How am I talking to them? Air moon children you'll notice are very focused on friends, very, very focused on friends on being, uh, activated by like their social circle. They might have different ways of, you know, letting this energy through, of course, like a Gemini will be more curious. A Libra might be more focused on the relate, like the actual friendship itself. And Aquarius just like wants, needs the people who are following them towards a new future. But those, those three will all have that same, uh, awareness of like, I need to communicate and connect to thrive. And so it can be so helpful for people who say your partner is an air moon, but you're a water moon. And you're like, I just want to like, you know, you're, maybe you're a cancer moon. You're like, I just want to be at home and be like in my feelings. And, but you're partnered with an air moon. Who's like, that's just use Gemini moon as an example. Who's like always outward based, externally focused. This can be so helpful because you're like, Oh, it's not that you, you know, you don't have to be mad at them for not wanting to spend time with you or something like that. It's literally, we have different core needs to thrive. And so air moons just really will thrive off of um, that connection. And if they're, even if they're introverted, right, doesn't mean every air moon is going to be extroverted, but they might thrive on that connection through like social platforms, through books, through research, like through um, like studying that kind of thing. Like it's, it's applying the mind to different ideas that really will activate an air moon. Brain. My brain is just like not very airy right now. Um, okay, moving next into our water moons and the water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. Water is the domain of feeling and emotion, and we can find our security through that emotional intimacy. And there is a big part of, of all of the water signs. If water is stagnant, it can feel really stuck. So there can be a, a component of the water moon that can get really stuck. Water, you know, water wants to nurture. It wants to feel. It needs to flow. And there is a real, a, a real piece of feeling those feelings, like where some people might not need to cry. The water moons need to let those tears flow. We all do, you know, tears are detoxing of the soul and the body. And when we allow that movement, it allows it to flow through us. And so there is a big piece of feeling our feelings within the water moons, letting, um, you know, safety and security is found through that emotionality. Water holds memories. And so there is a, a huge component also of the water signs that can really hold on to the past that can get, like I was saying before, a little bit stuck and needing to process through and talk about it. Uh, and, and knowing, you know, with a water, anything that feelings aren't always facts as well, like that they are moving and flowing through us as a being. And that was one of the biggest things for me to learn with my, all of my cancer nature, that my feelings wouldn't actually kill me that, you know, allowing them, allowing it to flow through us can actually give less power to that. I think just to tie in at the very end, your moon sign element, if you have a fire moon security, it will be found 
through self-expression, through action, through drive. And, you know, the, the fire moons have this warm, impulsive, energetic nature. Earth moons will really like things that are much more cautious and sensual and security is found through predictability and form and structure. Air moons love to intellectualize, love to communicate, and sometimes can do that in, you know, a much more detached way but security is found in the world of ideas and water moons are nurturing, feeling and flowing and security is found through that emotional intimacy. Beautiful. All together. And then the other thing to consider when you were thinking of the moon is the moon phases. Okay. So the moon, as we all know, has, there's kind of a debate on the amount of phases, right? Cause there's like the big ones, like the new moon and the full moon and the quarter moons, but then there's also the waxing moons, the waxing crescent, the waning moons, all of, there's about eight moon phases is what Ange and I teach. And really we're not here to put the moon in a box because it shouldn't be put into a box, but it's really beautiful and nurturing to, to have that understanding of where the moon is in its cycle, because as we know, and as many science teachers teach, as many by biology, you know, teachers teach is that there's so much about the earth that's get, that gets impacted by the moon, right? There's so much about, I mean, let's just go to the tides, right? The tides are rising in that full moon energy and that, that innate movement is happening within you because it is linked to the water and water is source water is life water makes up the majority of all of us you know and so that is another way that we are really connected to the moon and so if we know that the moon in the sky is is a new moon it means we're all experiencing that energy of the new moon which is a moon of deep rest right it's a it's the dark moon the the night sky is dark the the light has gone and it's a chance for us to often have some sort of um, realization on what things can be seeded at that time, because there isn't, if you think of that, it's like when the water is the lowest, there isn't as much activity or action being generated. And so therefore it is a time to plant those seeds. And then as the moon starts to, to wax and build and build, it's like the seeds get nurtured, right? The seed starts to get some nurturance to it. it starts to pop its little head up around the first quarter moon come through that struggle of popping from the world below to the world above is that first quarter moon crisis in action and it pops its head up and you know we see first quarter moons as a time of often crisis where something will come up that makes us rethink like what happened when we planted that seed right and and we have to maybe readjust or figure out what we're doing to try to uh, you know, come through the struggle, that struggle that is happening. And then it waxes more and it builds and it builds and it builds to this full moon, this full moon, like the luminescence that literally sparkles across the land, like literally through the, the phosphorescence that you can see in the ocean. I mean, one of my favorite things that I've ever seen was the bioluminescent algae. And that when you go into the, the ocean at a full moon, and you put your hand through the water, it literally sparkles. Like the, the reaction is so extraordinary. And that's what the full moon is. It's the celebration of light. It's the time that, you know, 
people can can stay up the latest. You don't sleep well during the full moon. I mean, people have, uh, need rest during that time, but it's the time that even like New York City bus drivers have posted on their their bus schedules when the full moon is because we know that people are going to be um, big and bold and really like courageous, moving after what they want, celebrating what they want. Right. And then we start to see the moon wane. It starts to shift backwards and start to recede. And it, we get to that third quarter moon. And it's a time for us to really let go, to let the structure crumble. It's we're starting to move into the death cycle at this point. And then there's that last phase where the moon is moving all the way to the dark, dark, dark moon just before the new moon. And that's a time of real psychic abilities where people can really see in the dark, where it's uh, you know, at the, the very end of the cycle. And I mean, we see this moon phase happen every single month, like clockwork. And by knowing on earth where, like, and what is happening with the moon in the sky, knowing, you know, what sign the moon is in, all of these things can just give us clues to how events in our life are unfolding. And it, I mean, Angie and I've been doing this for years now, and it is extremely magical to be able to see things that happen say during a third quarter moon when the moon is in capricorn compared to the full moon that was you know 6 months before that etc cetera, etc cetera. and being able to pull these events all together and see that that energy is not something we're imagining that's not some woo thing that's like a literal electromagnetic energy that is that is frequency between us and the lunar the lunar body and so this is a cycle for us to explore in our own lives, this death and rebirth that happens each month. And the moon can help to illuminate some of that for us. Yeah. If you even just consider, you know, the light from the moon and that that scientifically is going to affect you. Like if you're in a room without any light, as opposed to a room when the light is turned on, our body responds in a different way, right? Just knowing the two phases the two main phases of the moon, that there is the waxing phase and then the waning phase. And growing from that new moon to the full moon is the waxing phase. And how you can tell that the moon is waxing or getting bigger in the sky is if you look up to the moon and the full side of the moon, if you can cup it with your right hand. So, so the, the full side of it can be cupped with your right hand. The moon is getting bigger. It is waxing. And from the full moon to the new moon, when the moon is getting smaller, that fuller side will be on the left side. You'll be able to cup it with your left hand. And just knowing that the waxing moon is good for things growing and starting things. And, you know, when we think about it in terms of our actual moon cycle inside of us, we feel better on the waxing side of our period, right? Like we going towards ovulation, we can feel the action and drive inside of us. And then on the waning side, it's time to let go. It's time to go within. It's time to maybe not do as many things laughing this morning we weren't sure what we were going to do a podcast on and Tamara said well maybe we should talk about the magic moon cycles which we love so deeply and I was like uh, I don't know and then I I had started bleeding and it's so interesting how these cycles show up for us even when we don't even think about it they are inherently in everything that we do 
You can think of a, a call with a friend in the waxing and the waning, like you can apply that waxing and waning cycle to every single thing in your life, to a job that you're doing at work, to a phone call, to any type of conversation that you're having. There is a waxing phase and there is a waning phase. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, having just had COVID and the surrender and rest that has to come through sickness, has to come through nourishing and taking care of our body. And that's the one thing that in astrology, the moon can really speak to is our, our body and what it needs, the self-care that it needs, what we what we hold to be true within our most innermost core and, and just applying that cycle to our everyday life, to even our day, you know, each day has a, a waxing and a waning part of it and really honoring those cycles in our lives allows us to make the most of them. Yeah, I was just going to add that, you know, I started bleeding this morning and one of the best things that ever happened to me was learning about the cycle and applying it to, uh, all those who are bleeding, you know, the, the menstruation cycle, uh, is exactly this. And the more that we allow ourselves to rest when we are bleeding, we're considered in our new moon phase right? Day one is like the, the new moon. And that is our time during that very, very dark, 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 dark time right before you start to bleed is like the balsamic moon phase where you're almost spiritual with what is happening. You know, you're a psychic, you can see through things and then you start to bleed. And it's like your body kicks into this complete regeneration mode. You're letting go of everything that didn't work for the last cycle. And I've seen it, especially in the last two years where you literally let go of events, emotions through your blood. And then you get to a point where, you know, if you rest, well, I'm always like, if you do the inner winter, if you do that, that time period where you are bleeding well, then the rest of the cycle is so much easier. And when you start to wax and come out of your blood window and your, your building to ovulation, you have more energy. You're able to, um, you know, invite in the inner spring. And what I'm quoting off of is wild power. Um, the beautiful people at red school have written this book that explains this, but they, you know, really coin that inner winter and then moving into inner spring ovulation then becomes this inner summer where it's, you know, a celebration where your body can feel at its max capacity for some, you know, this isn't an all, but it can bring this uh, wave of energy and creativity where you're fertile, literally. And then as you, you know, again, wane and start to move into the inner autumn, we, you know, so ridiculously quote, this as like PMS, but it's actually the, the one inside who has the awareness of boundaries stronger than any other time during the, the cycle. It's the awareness of what the body really needs. And if we didn't give ourselves it for the other part of our cycle, you know, those last 10 days before we bleed can be really hormonally challenging. It can be hard. And, you know, our, as we start to readjust to being able to let go we, we have to stand up for ourselves. We have to have fiercer boundaries. And so you'll often find, you know, the last 
five to 10 days before you bleed is the time where, you know, your kids, you're like, okay, this is, you really have to do this at this time. And, and you might be a little softer at different times in your cycle. So following our inner phases has changed everything. And it's super hard to do in our capitalistic society. That's like, but every Monday to Friday is production nine to four or five is production. It's like, well, are we ovulating? (laughs) 20, 40 hours a week or a month. Like, no, what, what do people work today? 40 hours a week is like the quote unquote time. But you know, that's just so backwards to our true cyclical nature. And we're all reclaiming that right now, right? The more we can honor it in our, uh, for me, it's the more I can honor it in my inner cycle, the more I can truly say, I don't really want to work today. I have to honor my body. Uh, the more the magic happens and the more it's just been so interesting to watch this because the deeper that I rest, the more busier our business has become, the more, you know, successful quote unquote, we can, can get ourselves to, or the more creative we can be. And so really it's, you know, something to track, to follow. I'm on day one today. And so is Ange now. And so it's, um, interesting to see that too, just like this, the syncing up that can happen. Like, how is that for synchronicity? Yeah. And I've had a, a real rough time with my cycle for many different reasons, which we don't have time to get into, but there is a, a component of honoring all of what Tamara just said. That's so important. And when we don't rest, we don't recover. <laughs> and if you even just imagine, you know, your energy tank, if you allow it to get below zero, it takes more to get all of that energy back. Right. And so just coming off of a week where I wasn't physically, emotionally, or spiritually able to work on our business, that was a real demon inside my mind of, of what should I be doing? What do I need to do? And the moment that you surrender and just let it be, it can really reframe and change, you know, that, that part of things. So that was really beautiful. I think probably should we end it there with the possibility that we will be back to talk more about the inner moon cycle. And one of the, one of the greatest uh, teachers I am seeing in all of this is the moon cycle can also help us to plan on a monthly basis for what you should expect or can have moments of power. If you know your element that your moon is in, when the moon is in that element, it might be a better time for you. And knowing, you know, fire moons are a great time to take action and the water moons are a great time to feel the air moons are a great time to plan social stuff and the earth moons are a great time to plan work where you are getting stuff done. Just knowing these pieces can bring forth a monthly schedule that then can be applied into the whole year based on your natal chart. And this is something that we are going to be teaching. Well, we taught this, we did teach a whole workshop on this last year and in our cosmic, our monthly cosmic advising, we also have a calendar that, that includes a little bit about this as well. So, so yeah, we're excited to hear 
you know, what your moon sign is and also musing on, you know, where your sun is in your chart and where your moon is literally try to see that in the sky, you know, where was the, the moon and how was it illuminating the sun's light when you were born? Cause that can be another like whole other angle to come to understand. So we're excited to see you all explore the moon a little more and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to our show. If you're here and feeling like so many others that there's no way out but through, we just want you to know that we love you. You are not alone. If you want to learn more about us, visit us online at wildskysisters.ca and please reach out with any comments or questions. We love you.